ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast. My name is Alfredo. Episode number 343 is what we're serving up tonight with me, as always, Mr. Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, diz olá aos senhores e às senhoras. Olá, senhores e senhoras. And on, uh, on the upper side of the American continent, I'm trying to come up with uh, creative new ways of saying Canada. Well, I don't know why I just don't say Canada. Dave de Oliveira, what's going on, Dave? The Great White North. We've got our first uh, snowstorm of the season. People forget how to uh, drive in the snow, so it's uh, another day in uh, in Canada uh, and uh, another night talking Bob and Fika on this podcast. So good to be back on. Yeah, absolutely. So tonight is going to be a short one. Uh, I'm thinking because all we have is really one game to recap, being that we already recapped the Leon game. We do have Santa Clara to talk about, and uh, I, I it's uh, it, you know, and I got to be honest, you know, I'm I'm getting to a point, and and you and I were talking off air that we were coming on here, and every time that we switch on this uh, this mixer and the microphones and we connect, uh, it's becoming it, it's exciting for us, obviously, to to speak to everyone and to tell us your our thoughts. Uh, but when you're going through certain things and when you're seeing certain things and namely Benfica's uh, season, um, it gets to a point that it's like, wow, do, do I really need to talk about this or do I feel like talking about this? It's not, <laughs> it's not one of those things I look forward to, uh, to be really honest with you. In years past, I always look forward to the podcast and, and over the last week, or even you know, and I just I didn't. I, I was kind of hoping you you come up with an excuse not to record this week. It's not important <laughs> to talk about. And look, to be brutally honest with you, it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it, right? Benfica is at a record pace points wise. They've never started a season winning, uh, you know, knocking off as many points as they've knocked off so far, right? It's a tremendous start, having lost one game, uh, having won every other game. It's just it's it's beautiful, but it doesn't feel that way feels like this team is dragging ass in seventh place with the way they played. And then when you have, when you actually look at the table, you're like, oh, top of the table. Like, yeah. And it just, it just it demoralizes me even more when I look at that because it just shows me that the rest of the caliber, right, the rest of the competition in the league, it just, it's really shit. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Yeah. And then, and then just to finish it off, Alfredo, when you combine that with these, and I know this happened in years past, but to me it didn't, It didn't weigh as much as it seems like it's weighing on me right now, which is you add in the stupid break every other month for the national team. But this is like, bro, just when you start to get into it, like, okay, like, you know, zone out the door. Yeah. And it, look, it's it's not certainly is not the, the hangout part it, for me, at least. It's not the fact that I don't like hanging out with Cristiano. I don't like uh, hanging out with uh, Dave Oliveira, And I don't look for and I don't look forward Uh, to hanging out with these guys, which, which I do, and, and talking Bifica with these guys, is just the the subject matter these days and the way things are 
are kind of going that it kind of puts a damper on the mood and even some of the excitement because we're always excited to come on here, right? Yeah, absolutely. You think after the abysmal performance uh, in the middle of the week in Lyon, right? All the criticism that it garnered all over the world. It wasn't just important. I mean, you could tell Benficistas all over the world were upset. The president was touching on the subject. Everyone was upset. Media was killing uh, Brun Lage. You would think, bro, if there's ever a week that this team's going to come out to play, about they're going to feel the shirt, it's going to be this week against Santa Clara. Yeah. And it was an atrocious. I mean, let's get into it. it was, I mean, that first half, I'm telling I would rather why. I, look, I would. I think if you would have sat me, Steyer lose watching the tractors rip up the, the grass, I would have rather watched <laughs> watch the, 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 the Benfica game against this week, against Santa Clara. It was just, it was hard to watch. Yeah. Look, uh, and here's the thing, right? Um, we're coming off two performances that that there was some improvements there. We had the performance against Riwav. We had the performance against Portimonense. That there was some signs of improvement. That we weren't where we wanted to be, but there was some signs of improvement. You had the Lyon game, and you think, okay, well, after these two games against Portimonense Riwav, we have a good chance to at least have a good showing. I'm not saying you're gonna spank uh, Lyon three four nothing five nothing in France, but see, at least have a presentable showing. You don't have a presentable showing in France now. You 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 start to look back and said, all right, well Europe has been what has been, and let's just scrap Europe. Let's get back to the league. Team seems to be on a good uh, on a good path, and then we go to the Azores Islands, right? And it seems I was thinking about this as I was driving here. It seems that every time we go out of Portugal. Something trouble? something different happens to, no, to I, Benfica. I, I think I, I think it's where it's more accurate when you say when it, when we go out of style to lose because we went to Murirense and it was terrible. I mean, we we got lucky. Luckily, we got the two the three points at the end of the game. You know, too late goal. But it just seems like when Benfica goes on the road, and even I mean, it just hasn't been pretty at all. And the thing to me that's really scary, guys. It's really scary. Is that I think we're gonna have to wait. Uh, I was going to say nine months, but it's going to be longer because you got to give the lady a little time to recoup. But it's in order to have such a phenomenal second half. I mean, Bruno Lodge can't keep popping kids unless he has kids with different women all the time, which I, I think that's going to unsettle him somewhere or somewhere. But, you know, the good thing is he's having a kid now. But if we're going to wait for another halftime speech, is having another kid is going to be minimum, right? Minimum nine months. I yeah. mean, and that's that's what I'll even give her time to. Yeah, but I, I was hope, I was hoping that we could touch up on that a little a little later in between the the recap of the game. But oh. since you since you said that, but that but that's as fine, we know, I, I'm right? not scripted. So here here's the thing, right? How credible is that? The fact that Andre Almeida came out and he mentioned that that the the coach actually used the fact that his wife was pregnant at halftime and that served as motivation for the team. It it it, it borders on the ridiculous. It, 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 it smells of, you know, smells of desperation. But, but you could kind of take it in a light way and it could be like, look, guys, what the hell's going on here, bro? You know, we're not playing well, all right? And look, I, I, I haven't shared this with you guys, but I'm about to have a kid. My wife is pregnant. <laughs> And come on, guys, I don't want my kid to come out, you know, with a loss. It could be in a joking way. Like, come on, you know, if it was. But now if you're actually going to that on a serious note, like, boys, listen up, guys, everybody got around. We need to win this game. My wife is pregnant. Like, come on, bro. You're desperate now. That is desperation. We just bought a new house. Yeah, like I need this contract. Puta aí, chegar, a gente tem que ganhar três pontos, pá. He like, needs shoes, baby, he needs shoes. Yeah. 
that's that's desperation. But like I, like I said, if you sit in a joking, a lighthearted way, like, come on, guys, yo, my wife's pregnant. I don't want my kid. To, you know, like, I kind of dig it. I, I don't, I don't know it. what to think of it. I just can't. I'm just worried because you can't use that line again. For, I don't for, know what to think of it. Now. I don't know what to think of it because I don't know if at this point the 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 squad uh, is is kind of making a mockery out of the fans. What fans think and how down the fans have been on this team. When the squad looks at at the sheet, they're top of the table. They've won. 27 out of 29 games or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of him for, for, for the league. Uh, and, and look, and there's a lot of people that are unhappy about this uh, Benfica and, and us included, uh, obviously. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's a squad that's kind of like having an inside joke on us. And then the Almeida comes up. Oh yeah. You know, the Mr. Tells us says, uh, you know, Oh, at halftime that his wife's about to have a kid. So we kind of want to win it. We want to win it for, for him. And it's just, it, it, I don't know what to think of it. It's one of those things. I, I, but I now let me know. ask you guys a question. Let, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think a lot of this has to do with the fact that that one game that Benfica did lose in the Liga Nors was the Porto? Let's say Benfica beat Porto 2-0 as opposed to having a defeat, right? And they lost to Tondela a couple of weeks ago, right? Or whomever, Riwav or Murines. The one game that they lost wasn't against Porto, but they beat Porto. You think people's mindsets or their approach will be different? I think that a lot that's what been looking at is the performances of Benfica. So they're winning, but not clearly, not playing good soccer. But you don't think there's a little bit of, you know, like me, Right, who's a critic who says Benfica beats up on Mancus, right? And there's a little bit of man, if we at least beat Porto, all right, you know, maybe we're a decent team, we're just not playing well right now. But having lost to the only team you faced to date that could pose some type of threat kind of diminishes what you're doing, but like, okay, you know, it makes you look worse. No, in a way, I, I can see where you're going with that, meaning the one team that is at our equal, height, equal, yeah, uh, we lost to them. All the monkers we have beaten, but I think that the fact that you hold the the the, ta- the league table position that you hold right now, I think a lot of people don't are are not, are not even thinking about that Porto game and how we got demolished by, as you mentioned, our equal, uh, right? Because now we lead the we lead the league. No, but it two does points. though because it creeps into your mind that this team is had Benfica beat Porto and still played bad afterwards. You still like okay, you know they have the ability. Because they just beat a quality team. But now it starts doubts into your brain, into your mind. Like, wait a minute. the old, Dave, do you, do you see where I'm Go going? Ahead. The only team that was anything of, you know, that had anything on the opposite side that could actually pose a threat. We got slapped around. Yeah, we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. So had we beaten Porto, I think people would have been confident that they that they could get out of the rut. And having them, it kind of like, oh, shit, maybe, yo, this is just who we are. Dave, what are you Me- me personally, I think it's uh, way farther. That game is is like a feels like a different season already. That's been so long ago, and I, if anything, that the team has gotten worse. The their style of play has gotten worse since uh, that game, not better. Um, the only thing uh, with that game, maybe it's crept into the minds of the players, uh, and and they don't they don't believe the that they can they they're superior uh, because it, after that game it seems like we've seen a, a completely different uh, Benfica and, and for the worse 
uh, of it. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't really have a bounce back after that game against uh, Porto, and, and and maybe the doubt is with the players. But me personally, I I've totally forgot about that uh, game, and it's just been a, a struggle week in and week out. You shouldn't have forgotten about that game, Dave, because to me, that game makes me remember, reminds me, not makes me remember, reminds me of a young NFL quarterback, right? They come out the gates like Benfica did, Sporting, uh, Pasfreira, whoever the hell they were beating 5-0, they struggled, but they won 2 They come out the gate, they're smacking everybody around, right? Starting NFL quarterback, a rookie, comes out, nobody knows him, digging and dunking, a guy's throwing for 300, 300 uh, yards a game. All of a sudden, now you have enough of a game film, right? Three, four games on the above. Other defensive coordinators throughout the NFL watch the video. They see your weaknesses, your weaknesses, I should say. They start attacking your weaknesses. And all of a sudden, by doing that, it exposes you to the rest of the league. Then everybody just watches tape on your weaknesses. And if you recall that game, uh, the, the 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 following podcast after that game against Porta came out and I said it was a masterful job of coaching by Sergio Conceição, who's not a great X's and O's guy, <laughs> no. but he exposed Rui Vitor, he exposed Benfica, he attacked Benfica's weaknesses. Relax. And I think, and I think you said Vitor, did I? Whatever, I'm so stuck on that guy because it created Vitor in his joke. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, I, I I think what Porto did today to Benfica that game, I think a lot of other GM, uh defensive coordinators, coaches, you know, hashtag. They went and they saw that, and they were exposing Benfica as well. I just think it just they it just, gave they don't have the, it the gave balance. it gave the rest of the opposition. It gave them a sample, gave them film a on manual. how give them a manual on how to attack and to expose Benfica. And I think a lot of that that's why to me that game was so crucial because until then Benfica was on top of the world. I mean, there was a an asinine podcast host who even predicted by Christmas. <laughs> I don't know who that idiot was, but by Christmas, the title will be wrapped up. So I, I go back to that game because to me, that game exposed Benfica and exposed a lot of their weaknesses. And they gave everybody else a template to follow and a game plan to follow in order to give Benfica difficulties. That's why I'm going back to that game. All right. Let's uh, let's look at, at, at the Santa Clara game with the with a little bit uh, uh, more of an eye. Uh, um, so I'll give you, I'll, let's start with the starting 11, because this is where we usually start. Flaco Dimos, Almeida, Diaz, Jardel, and Grimaldo. Uh, Florentino, Gabriel in the middle. Pizzi, Servio on the wing. Chiquinho uh, underneath uh, Seferovic. So uh, Ferro did not recuperate. Jardel made, uh, made the start. And then uh, it, it looks like now um, Chiquinho has cemented his spot, but it looks like from from seeing this and after Vinicius' uh, success, now it's Seferovic uh, time to to get uh, to get a turn starting up front. Uh, so horrible, horrible half by Benfica. Possibly the the worst um, the worst half I've seen this season domestically uh, for Benfica with uh, with Santa Clara getting at, at least having that I can remember at least having two very close chances. Um, of of scoring, I think one they ended up scoring. They had the free kick right in the beginning you of the don't third think, minute. You know for sure. Well, yeah. I, I I know. Um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm just trying to remember the the other chances they had. The free kick, the 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 Vlaco Dimos save right in the third minute or something like that. Then they had the goal where Andre Almeida gets beaten in in the second post, which shouldn't be happening. Uh, and then you have that one cross at the end of the half that the guy just the forward or reaches the ball just just very short on the ball just a touch and you would have gotten that second goal and Santa Clara goes into the half leading to nothing 
the only chance that Benfica had, if you could consider it a chance, was a header, I think, by Ruben Diaz that ended up hitting the ground and the keeper uh, just see, just gather it really, really easy. That was the only thing uh, that Benfica did all um, all half. Um, probably worst game I've seen Gabriel play uh, with a Benfica jersey. Um, so, I, you know, it, and it's like, and Cristiano, we were just discussing here in terms of, of Gabriel. Is Gabriel a victim of the talent that has surrounded him? Or do you think these guys are also allowed to have an off game? As I've told you before, I think Gabriel came back a little bit too heavy um, from his injury. It looks like he's not the same uh, physique level or, or shape, I should say, that he was prior to getting injured. Um, and it's it's taking him a little time to recover. Now, that being said, I, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that look at the alternatives, look at the options around him. He doesn't have players that he could play off. And I understand he, he's made it work in other games. But Florentino, as we've talked about here, week in, week out, is not the, the, the most attacking player. Peasy sometimes. And look, it happened again in the first half, goes hiding. He tucks the 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 the. the the, the sideline and just sits there and waits for, for, for Gabriel or whoever else to make things happen. The striker up top is not the type of got to come back, get the ball, hold the ball. So Shikinu went missing in this game. It, it, sometimes it's rough, man. It's rough when they put, when they put everyone around you, they just pressure you all day. And you have split second to make a decision with the ball and you can't find alternatives. You can't find passing lanes. You can't find teammates that are on the run. Look at the game. Go back in that game, watching the first half. A lot of times Gabriel had the ball at his feet and the rest of the team was just walking. They're walking. I mean, like, no one's making a run. No one's trying to attract, you know, attention here. No one's trying to create space. Everyone's just walking around, kind of waiting uh, to see what the man on the ball does next. And it's just like a lot of, you know, reactions from players rather than, you know, going out there and trying to create things on your own. And that's the one thing about previous coaches. You know, we've seen the great coaches. They All the movement off the ball, that's when you can tell what a great coach, the system that he has in play. And right now, it's just – it's Gabriel and everybody else watching. Yeah, and, and Dave, uh, Gabriel's numbers kind of speak for themselves, and it was clear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just in the first half alone, and by the 20th minute mark, he hadn't uh, converted a long uh, ball pass. He had missed his f first five long ball passes uh, by the 20-minute uh, mark. And then by the 30-minute mark, he had uh, another all 10 uh, complete pass, uh, missed passes, uh, long, short passes. But like Cristiano says, nobody was giving him uh, the movement there, and he had to try to create his own uh, plays with no movement there. So uh, there's, a, there's a, lot of, a lot of blame to go around, and he ended up finishing the game with a 67.4 uh, passing accuracy, uh, only completing 58 of his uh, 77 passes. So... Uh, like we've discussed, this was not uh, his best game as a Benfica player and, and, and quite easily his worst because we've discussed in the past how important he is uh, in this midfield to uh, connect the sectors, but uh, not one of his best games, uh, definitely. Yeah, for sure, not one of Gabriel's best games whatsoever. Luckily, though, we had Vlako Dimus, who still does a lot of things that, that leaves me unhappy, but luckily he was in form and he was able to keep uh, the ball out of the net because things could have gotten real ugly in the first half and second half would have been no matter how many kids uh, Bruno Lodge was going to have uh, over the halftime, they, they weren't going to be able to make it up. 
the the Benfica actually has one of the best best defensive records in Europe. Uh, I, I am correct when I say that, right? I don't yeah. think you guys yeah, are right. Yeah, four four goals conceded in the in the league. Right. So uh, goes into the half. Uh, Lodge as as the the big reveal, uh, and at the same time decides to put the guy that has had the hot foot. Vinicius comes in uh, for Florentino, uh, which it's another thing that leaves me scratching my head, right? Gabriel is not having a very good game. Yeah, but at the time, Alfredo, you have to understand, you figure that Santa Clara is winning 1-0. They're going to sit back. Now, look, we got the three points. You got to come get it. So they need someone to move the ball. If you I get take that. out Gabriel, who's going to move the ball in the midfield? I get that. So, I mean, look, I, I get what you're saying because you're not going to have that defensive force in the middle. But without Gabriel, who the hell is in that midfield is going to move? The, you Look, you bring it in a striker. You got to get him the ball. Yeah. Who do you have confidence in to get him the ball? Yeah, and it didn't take too long before Benfica tied up the game. In the 54th minute, uh, Pizzi found uh, uh, Vinicius. In the second post, left alone. I think he's passing or shooting. I, I don't know. We're, we're actually watching the replay as... Uh, no, he looked up. He looked up and he, yeah, he, he just hit been it. looking up at second post. He hit it hard and he was hoping, let's hope somebody could put a foot on this. But we we were just looking at the uh, the replay just now. But you could see him look up and then he just he strikes it hard and hopefully across the goal and somebody's going to stick a foot in there. And, and Vinicius, sure enough... And was it goes there. to VAR, and a VAR, and a VAR call goes our way. There was a questionable uh, push. Oh yeah, there was a, a, a questionable push. But I, look, I don't think that was the it was a foul on to that. me. To me, they both went in hard, and it yeah. Just, and I think just, I, I just think that Chiquinho ended up getting position over the other dude. Uh, but Dave, numbers on Vinicius don't lie, right? No, he's now averaging a goal every fifty-three minutes in uh, league play. He's got the fifth goal of the season. Um, fifth league goal of the season. Uh, and this guy, he, he's our super sub right now when he's coming off the bench. Um, uh, I know my boy Seferovic is uh, still getting these uh, starts ahead of him, but uh, his leash has got to be his leash has got to be getting shorter and shorter as Venetius uh, continues to uh, put up these uh, goals and performances. Yeah, and uh, Seferovic would end up uh, finding Pizzi in the 77th minute for Benfica to uh, turn around uh, the scoreline. Uh, and that's how the game uh, finished. But I think that if if you look at this game, you have to think that Benfica was probably fortunate that they ended up uh, coming out uh, with the three points out of, uh, they were out much, of the islands. Much, much better in the second half. Benfica came out to get the goal. Yeah. You could definitely see it. More intensity. Ruben Diaz had that one chance on a corner kick. Uh, you know, the ball falls to him in a box on top of the six and he slams it home. And the goalie, I mean, quick reef. I don't know if you want to call it luck or you just happen to be at the right place at the right time, but that was a fantastic save by him. Benfica could obviously gotten equalized a little bit earlier, but that's kind of what you want to see from Benfica all the time. It's going forward, attacking, creating, pressuring the opposition and coming up with scoring opportunities left and right, which just in that first half was, was atrocious. And, and, you know, luckily stars were on our side this time around, but, you know, you can't keep playing like this too many times hoping to get too many victories. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's a shame that you travel to, uh, to the Azores, right. And you very, very, very well supported uh, there. If there's one of the, the stadiums where Benfica is well supported aside, uh, from the ones that's that all in your head, man. Over. Just because they're red and white like us, that's just makes you look right. And you know what's you know what's funny? I'm I'm watching the game in in, in the first half, and it, it was it was easy to get confused at times because Santa Clara plays with the red and white, and Bifiga was in that gray. 
which matched their performance for the game. Uh, but oftentimes, I kind of I don't know if I was just falling asleep, dozing off as I was watching the game. Oftentimes, I, you know, I kind of it almost confused me that uh, that the red team was doing better than than the other team. Uh, so you know, take it for what it is. But uh, you know, you've been very fortunate to come out with the with the three points and to go into the international break um, with the, with the lead in the Liga Nosh. Because you know, let me ask you this: Now, Vinicius is obviously stake the claim uh to start uh seferovic got to start in this game hoping that now with the introduction of chiquinho and what chiquinho brings to uh this team uh even though it hasn't been uh consistent uh, if you will over the, the the space of uh these three games four games um at what point does uh, rdt get a chance because as we know rdt is not a second forward he's a center forward I think for now, RDT has to sit in that bench and warm his ass up because I think those other two guys are clearly in front of him in a pecking order. Um, I, he'll probably get a start in Benfica's next game against Bubuzela. Who are we playing? Bizella. Okay. <laughs> he'll probably get a start then, but I, I think he'll have a very few opportunities to show what he's made of, and I think next week against Bizella will be one of those games that uh, he's got to sh- go out there, perform, because – the way that uh, Vinicius, as you guys mentioned, coming off the bench and putting the ball in the back of the net. And Svetovic, look, say what you want about him. The guy is clearly uh, one of uh, Bruno Lodge's favorites. So he's going to continue to get the call. So I, I think it's going to be very rough as things stand right now for, for Raul Tomas to get some minutes. But good news for him is it's, it's still first half of the season. still a lot of games to come. Absolutely. So, uh, as I mentioned, um, three points, uh, really the, the best, uh, the best result out of this, um, out of this game, uh, in, in, as I, what I wanted to, to say is Benfica well supported in the Azores Islands. And it's, it's a shame that Benfica wasn't able to put a performance out, uh, that equaled the level of support that they had in this, in the stands. I mean, we know people that traveled from Portugal, from from the United States, uh, to go watch uh, Benfica and, uh, against Santa Clara, um, and it's it's a shame that Benfica is not able to put uh, a better product on the field, especially when you have traveling fans that support you. Uh, but Dave had a stat here, and usually Dave usually sends us stats before um, before the the pod starts. Benfica plus seven points at this point of the season compared to last season. Well, I don't know if if last season is uh, is any type of uh, of a watermark that we could follow, but certainly something that that is definitely seven points. And as we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, twenty seven wins out of twenty nine uh, games in domestic competition, uh, certainly uh, sole possession of first uh, place in the Liga Nage at this point. Uh, still involved in all competitions. If you want to consider the Europa League, might be a target. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, are are we? When we spoke about this, are we too demanding on this team, Cristiano? Come on, dude. Are you you asking me a serious question, right? Is that serious? I know you're demanding. What do you What do you think I would say? I mean, uh, yes. whatever they do is never enough. And never enough. It's never enough. Benfica would uh, make it to the Champions League final. Lose the Champions League final, and you would say this is not enough. <laughs> Look, I think as things stand, uh, I, I would, I would be, <laughs> I would be happy that they made it that far, but obviously devastated by having lost another another Champions League finals. But. Look, I just think that anyone complaining about us demanding greatness for Benfica is just 
just needs to look themselves in the mirror and maybe go root for Sporting or whatever, where they're very content with developing players from from the their academies with competing for Tasa de Cerveja. That's little club mentality, and that's the Sporting is a sound that we're seeing from Benfica in the last couple of seasons. I'm not okay with that. I want Benfica to always be striving and competing to be the best, uh, not just in Portugal, but in every competition, even though we know that, you know, Trying to win a Champions League is like trying to, you know, jump out of your third floor window and trying to reach the moon. It's just, you know, it's nearly impossible. I get it. But Benfica needs to put better, uh, put forth a better product. They need to put forth a better effort. We need to see contratações. We need to see um, this team being built the correct way rather than the cheap way. Yeah. Dave, uh, what are your thoughts so far, man, um, in in terms of of what's going on with with Benfica and now heading an international break? Is it a good thing? No, these international breaks are always selfishly, I'm going to say, are, are a bad thing. Uh, like uh, we've discussed, it's like whenever this we start to get some sort of rhythm going, it's another break. It's like every month we have an international break. Luckily, this is the last international break uh, until uh, next year. And that's not oh, saying much. Christmas. We'll get, we'll have, there's only, there's only, yeah, there's a Christmas break coming up, but, uh, um, yeah, there's always this, it seems every single season, the, uh, they schedule it like this, where there's an international break in September, October, November, and it just, it, it loses any momentum that is building up, um, uh, just from a fan's perspective, I could only imagine what it does to the, to the players. Um, but uh, you know what the results um, are there it's not pretty watching it but uh like the stat says plus seven points uh I've only dropped points uh to uh porto uh and not that uh, that's uh excusable but uh they are on top of the league and uh, unfortunately changes aren't going to happen big changes aren't going to happen if they're still producing and getting three points uh at the end of the day yeah Absolutely. So as uh, as I mentioned, international break now comes in Bifika. Quite a few players in international break, Dave. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we got Ruben Diaz and uh, Pizzi for Portugal on the uh, senior squad. Uh, quite a few for the under-21 uh, squad. Uh, Nuno and uh, Thomas Tavares, uh, Florentino, Jetson and uh, Jota. Uh, Seferovic uh, for Switzerland. Svilar gets a call up for the uh, Belgium under-21 uh, squad. And uh, Tarab for Morocco and uh, Odysseus for uh, Greece. Uh, got the uh, Greek call up. No call for uh, Samaris for Greece, huh? I guess uh, not playing really affects it. No call for Samaris. No call for uh, Ferru, where uh, Portugal is struggling, struggling for uh, centre-backs and uh, he still doesn't get the uh, call up. Ferru has got a fractured nose and maybe that played something into it. Maybe, just maybe. Could be. But the good news is Tarap got called up. Cristiano, <laughs> what happened to Tarap, man? I wish I knew. Yeah, we saw Tarap come into the game against uh, Santa Clara. Um, Did nothing. Probably his worst performance that I've seen here's so far. Here's the, the thing. Uh, in, I, don't, I don't recall, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. I, You're ever wrong. since the Tarap had that red card, right, which yeah. was... I guess borderline yellow red, right? Yeah. Ever since he he got that, I don't think that he seemed to feature anymore for Benfica. No, I mean, look, uh, I just there's a couple, there's the very few things. I'd rather keep it to myself on my opinion on that. But 
Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. He, uh, you could argue, alongside Pizzi and Rafa, he was their best player in the early uh, parts of the season, and from one reason to another, he just uh, just stopped being a you know part of uh, the the elevens, part of the, the rotation. I understand Shikinu came back; he played well in a f- couple games, but he's also gone missing the last couple. So we'll see what happens. I mean, one thing with Bruno Lage we've seen so far is that he hasn't really stuck to a lineup with the exception of, of Svetovic. Everyone's kind of like rotated in and out. Ruben Diaz. Yeah, but Tommy, those guys are on the back. The yeah. guys in the back. I'm just talking about the attacking options. Guys up front. Yeah. Um, after the Lyon game, uh, Brunelaj did mention that there, there's a possibility they're going to look at the winter market. Uh, one guy that was named in the in the papers this past uh, Tuesday or today as we record this was Yoni Gonzalez, a Colombian winger that's currently playing at what Fluminense, I think. Fluminense, who flew, flew. Yeah, let me just um, let me just say this, and and I know that uh, that YouTube is perhaps not your best source for scouting material, uh, but even watching these YouTube videos, I don't think this guy adds anything special to this to this team. Uh, this sounds like one of those typical Brazilian buys that we get while these guys are out of contract or the contract comes up uh, in December. Um, Cristiano, what are your thoughts on this Yoni Gonzalez? I don't think he's been figured caliber, but the good news is he could play on both flanks. How is that good news? Because everybody's blowing him up. He could play on each wing. Oh, he's fantastic. Okay, great. Let me ask the let me ask people this. Uh, how does um, a guy like Jota, right, who – Uh, did did he already get uh, did he already get, get uh, Re- renewed? Renewed? I don't I think don't, he got renewed, right? Because they keep there's, talking there's, about there's, it, but just it's never gonna. Ha- it's, it hasn't happened yet. There's the there's something about that that renewal. It's being it's being worked on, but when a guy like Jota sees this in a paper, and whether this is credible information or not, uh, two papers were reporting it uh, today. So both the Bola and Record were were reporting it today. So. Obviously, there's got to be some interest there. Whether there's a, there's been a formal interest there, there's been a contact with an agent, or whether it's just something where Benfica is just seeing what the player's interest is. What message does this send to to Jota, who has been working hard, from what we can understand, but has lacked some of the opportunities? Well, one thing's for sure: this team needs to be reinforced. So no if, doubt. If you're gonna, I agree with if you. If you're going to hurt some feelings, you're going to hurt some feelings. It is what it is. But it seems that so far early on in this season that Jota is not a part of uh, Laja's uh, options. It just seems that, you know, he, he's not going to go to him in, in a crucial moment. And look, to, to, to Laja's defense, the few times we have seen Jota play, he holds on to the ball too much. I mean, I stated this last year. The difference between him and Juan Felix is this kid's probably got more ability than Juan Felix does, but Juan Felix knew how to simplify the game, how to just play easy, make the game come to him rather than him try to, you know, force things. Much, yeah. and, and and we don't see that from 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 Jota so far. And he, he needs a little bit of more maturity. Maybe this is a the kid that needs to go out on loan and, and just play, be free, make mistakes, learn how to play football. Uh, because the kid is ultra, ultra talented. It just seems that he's having a hard time putting that all together on this team with so much pressure. Benfica doesn't have the luxury of losing games. But it's okay, but our boots played well, even though someday it'll get like that. Uh, hopefully it won't, but it seems like we're headed down that path. And look, I, I just think Benfica needs to strengthen the roster. Hopefully not with that bum. 
but Jota, let me ask you about this, about uh, Jota. Do you think that Jota just hasn't made the transition? Because he was playing at a level, right, where he was – there was games that he was unplayable, right? That the guy on one-on-one uh, skills and, and speed Terrific. and explosion, he was beating everyone. Stepping up to now guys that probably have better defensive abilities uh, and could read the game better, have more experience. And do you got think the he, physical attributes. Yeah. He does to stay with him step by step yeah. when he when he was able to beat people on the sprint. And now these guys can stick with him. Yeah. Do you think that he hasn't made that transition where, they, where no, he has just, to make I an just, adjustment to his game? I just think that he's young. I just think that he's been so used to doing everything on his own. Right. He needs to go out there and play. And the problem is that Benfica, you even though this roster is not deep at all, but at Benfica, he doesn't have the luxury of making mistakes and the coaching staff's not going to allow him the time to make those mistakes and just go out there. Look, kid, you got to play. And the best way to get over mistakes and the best way to learn and mature is by playing. And when you have when you're looking at Benfica, even though, as I stated, it's not a deep roster. But when you look at everyone being healthy on the outside left, you have Rafa. Is he going to play over Rafa? No, he's not. On the other side, you got PZ. Is he going to play over PZ? No, he's not. He's not an all-out you know, all striker. So all those other guys, you invested $37 million on two guys. You're going to have to force-feed these guys. You're gonna, you want these guys to be successful. Doesn't leave a lot of minutes for Jota. Jota needs to play and just make mistake after mistake and then hopefully get over that. With the experience, he is going to get better because he has all the attributes. But Benfica doesn't have the luxury or the time to just throw Jota out there every week and allow him to be a youngster because youngsters are going to make mistakes because they have, look, I mean, you got a guy like Zivkovic who's yet to play. <laughs> Think about that. Like He doesn't just, even play for the B team. I don't know if does, he has some kind of clause that uh, uh, will prevent him from playing or the B team that he says, I won't play for the B team. So Jota's biggest hurdle right now is playing at Benfica. That's his biggest hurdle. And and you mentioned, you mentioned, yes, Benfica definitely has to, um, to reinforce the squad, right? They need, we need to get better on certain positions. Um, but but does it make sense to chase a guy like Yoni no. uh, Gonzalez when you got Jota on your bench? No. Because Jota, in my mind, is better than this guy. A lot of it has to do with just the fact that, look, we said we we're going to go to the Mercado when we did, and we're bringing in a guy who's free as of January. We're going to, according to the reports, $2 million, $2 million euro signing bonus, paying him $700,000. It's a lot cheaper than going out and investing real money on a quality player. Um, And then you kind of shut everybody up. We did go to the Mercado. We brought in guys. That's that's really what they're trying to do. I just don't... Look, I, I think this team needs a player to play in between lines between Gabriel and to play alongside whoever Bruno Lage decides is going to be the the, uh, the striker. And they need another winger to compete with PZ and Rafa. And don't give me Caio Lucas. Don't give me all these guys. They need at least those two, but they need quality. Not... not you know, prospects, not got, they need guys who can absolutely step in tomorrow and start on this team. If Rafa is out, if PZ is out, and maybe, maybe even, uh, you know, an upgrade over PZ, a guy that will start make PZ be the backup, the guy that can play in the middle, can play on the outside. But will they do that? Let me, uh, I, I don't know. I, let me, uh, let me go to you with, uh, with two names, right? Uh, two guys that, was reported this week by one of the Portuguese uh, newspapers that, that they're reaching the end of the contract uh, with Napoli. Uh, so Benfica would have a chance to, to beat out the competition and hopefully uh, grab their services in the winter uh, uh, window. Uh, one of them is uh, as Mertens. Uh, 
and the other one is Callejon. Would you take these two guys at Benfica at 32 years old? First of all, whomever reported that, there's nothing against them for reporting that, but associating Benfica's name to it is asking. No, I don't think they, they didn't smack. associate it, but they, these were two guys that were going to be free that apparently Napoli is okay. no intent. It's not going to happen them. because Benfica is not going to sign 32, 33 year olds because they can't turn around and, and, and make a buck for their services later on. Benfica is not going to happen. Would I take them? Yes. Dries Mertens, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, there's some type of agreement with Inter Milan. He's going to go over to Inter Milan. So I, I do think that one's even out of the question. But Callejon could absolutely play at Benfica. Do I think Benfica will chase a guy like that? No, I don't care if it's... But in years past, we would have. Like the, the likes of Aymar, the likes of Saviola. Yeah, uh, Saviola's still in his late 20s. But, but he wasn't 30-something. What are guys that Benfica are probably not going to turn around and sell for a lot of money? Different times. Different times. Different times. And, and at the time, Benfica had a... I don't want to call it a veteran-laden club, but they had a lot of guys that were professionals, a lot of guys that, you know, in the mid-20s, right? They weren't looking into the future like they were not. At the time, George Zeus didn't give a shit where you came from, how old you were, what nationality. It was He just wanted to win. And at the time, Bifika had very few holes to plug, and he, he identified those players. And this is what we went, and this is what we need, and this is what we need to make this club be successful and play our style of football. And then when I got those guys, right now, what's the identity of Benfica? Seychelles is the identity. That's the identity. They're not gonna go. Unfortunately, they're not gonna go. There's plenty of other guys. I mean, look, you could make, you could have made the case. Throw some, throw some names out. You could have made the case for this summer for going out. And I understand Benfica money wise couldn't compete, but did they really make a push for a guy like David Luiz? Think about having. They could have. Well, he was a free. Well, he was out of contract. He extended his contract with Chelsea, and then a couple of days later, he asked for a transfer. And he went to, che uh, to to Arsenal. Now, I understand Benfica can't pay him those same wages, but according to everything you've heard, I mean, look at the interviews with the Luis. The guy's in tears, talking about how much he loves Benfica. Did Benfica even make a run at him? Benfica doesn't make a run at no. But football club Porto goes out and they bring in the Lucho Gonzalez. They bring in Pepe back. They bring in a lot of guys that have been at the club successful at one point or another, and they were identified with the ADN. At the end of the day, these guys come in and they teach these youngsters, especially Benfica, who are now with this idea of just getting and promoting youngsters. They bring in these youngsters who have played at the highest of levels, who are going to teach these young kids how to be professionals. They're going to teach these young kids what it takes to be a Benfica day in and day out because they were there through a time that they were successful at some point. It, they're going to teach these kids how to play with pressure. No, they they, they choose not to do that. It just, yeah. I look, it, it it's very confounding right now. It's, it's just baffling, I should say. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with, with their ideology? I just, I don't understand it. Uh, I wish they would have made runs like Di Maria is going to be up sooner or later. They're not going to go out. Like Nico Gaetan, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he failed at Athletic Madrid. I get it. I think a but lot. Even, even you went to China, and then now he's in the MLS. You're telling me Nico Gaetan still couldn't play at Benfica? You're telling me Gaetan is not an upgrade over, over Kai Lucas? You're telling me Gaetan is not an upgrade over Jota? You're telling me Gaetan is not an upgrade? You can play as a second forward. But what? Because you got to pay him three, four mil? And it's about like, and you can't turn around and sell this guy for 30, 35 mil. This is why leads you to the next question. Why the hell are all these youngsters? Oh, Servi is another guy we talk about. Psh, forget it. You tell me Gaetan couldn't play over Servi. I mean, and then it leads you to the next question. You see these youngsters who haven't played on the, uh, in, in Liga Nords, who haven't played on the team for, 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 for any period of time. And now they're making debuts in Champions League. It's just, bro, it just, this is too confusing the, the Vita to Varj, get your mind into it. The, no, Tomas Tavares has the most minutes for any Bifica player at the Champions League mm -hmm. level. 
I think he might be tired with some people, but yeah. But, yeah. but he's played 90 minutes in all four games. Yep. And so it's just so, so much. So when you start digging into it and start thinking about it, you start being, you know, depressed the, the, because you don't see any way out of this. Yeah. I just I don't see it. It's a formula that they've identified and they've stuck to it. Some people are very happy with it. As I've stated early on the podcast, this is the Sporting Association of Benfica, where they're content with promoting youngsters. Oh, look, we sold you on Felix. Whoa. The only difference is that Benfica right now is able to win the Liga Nors, and so it's kind of like it's not dry, right? But at some point, yeah. you think Sporting is going to get strong. It's just, I mean, it's been 20 years. But Sporting is going to get strong. It's just the rest of the competition in the league is trash. So they're yeah. able to get away with it. And then and, we see what happens in the Europa League. Yeah, and, I mean, and, league. and look, we're not saying that there's no talent uh, or there isn't talent at uh, Seychelles. Surely that there's talent. Sure, there are players that have a, a promising future ahead of them at the Seychelles. But certainly the dose in which these, these players need to be introduced into the main team needs to be a little bit more regulated, right? It can't be just inject all these players from the Seychelles into the A-team and expect that we're going to have uh, a team that is experienced in Europe. There's some veterans that are going to know how to approach games, uh, that there's kids that are their, their knees are not going to be shaking as they enter uh, uh, a, a stadium uh, in Europe. Uh, big stadium. So there's definitely talent there, but you could see this is a clear difference between the years past and where Benfica's mind was at in which the, their main focus was to get the agent. I was, I was, I can't pronounce up. that one. Is Germani is Dave, you know the word. Is Germani who? Hegemony. I don't know. Is is Munia in the Portuguese league? We wanted to get that back from Porto, so we did what the guy in front of the team told us that we needed to do. We signed the players that we needed to sign, and once we got into that rhythm of winning leagues in Portugal, now it kind of changed to the Seychelles. And it's not that I don't support um, the Seychelles and using the Seychelles. Such a big investment has made in the, into the Seychelles to not be made use of. I just have a problem in the way that we're being pushed. We're constantly pushed with Seychelles products, and it it's not creating a balance between veteranship uh, and a mix of youth. And I think it's hurting Benfica. It's hurting Benfica in Europe. It doesn't hurt Benfica in uh, in uh, domestic competitions because, as Cristiano men mentioned, uh, 80% of the teams are a bunch of monkus in the Liga Nage, so it's okay for the Liga Nage. But once you go outside of the Liga Nage, now you have a problem because you don't have a veteran team. But you could see where the differences are in terms of what was five years ago uh, where Benfica was signing these these players and these players that could come in and, and make a, an immediate impact. Uh, and now that Benfica is like, okay, well, we'll tap into the Seychelles. If there's a good buyout there that we could see we can – turn around and sell players for uh, a lot of money, then that's what we'll do. But other than that, uh, these guys that are out there, that are proven talent. And there are guys that are going to be out of favor in some of the top leagues. These, excuse me. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I'm I getting choked up there. These guys are, are very capable of, of coming to Benfica and playing at a very good level uh, for Benfica. Even Cristiano is, is dropping everything. We're, we're, we're our wits end. The the problem is Benfica's gone to the well too many times now with uh, Seychelles. And like you said, years pass. 
We had guys that couldn't even, uh, guys like uh, Bernardo Silva who couldn't uh, crack the lineup because they weren't given the opportunity uh, from Seychelles. And now they're going to the well too many times with uh, with these guys from Seychelles where they're not getting, uh, and like we discussed on last week's podcast, they're not getting the, the proper time and the proper amount of games to de- develop, right? So we need a good hybrid mix where they're getting the, the time uh, and the games to develop there at Seychelles, let them develop, and then also have a good mix of uh, veterans around them as well. I think that's all. I I agree with. We that. got Vizela coming up on the twenty third of uh, November, and and they've only one previous uh, meeting between Benfica and Vizela for the Portuguese Cup, right? For nothing. Uh, they played three three times, but the latest being in 2017, uh, four nothing uh, victory. There you go. Right. Excellent. And they're, they're top of the uh, Liga in the third division, the same uh, same division that has Montalegre, and that's uh, a team we struggled with uh, last year. So watch out. Yeah. Brings back memories of Rui Vitória. But these days, there's, there's probably a lot of similarities to uh, Rui Vitória's years. But anyway. Cristiano is just shaking his head. He's he's had enough. Cristiano, diz, diz adeus aos senhores e às senhoras para a gente ir embora. Adeus, senhores e senhores. Boa noite para todo mundo. Yeah. <laughs> Next week we'll be taking a, a week off uh, to uh, for international break. I was going to say to concentrate on international break, but that's something that I I don't do. Big games against Lu, Lu, Lithuania and Luxembourg, bro. Yeah. Those are all important games. That's like Benfica Vizela. Yeah. The equivalent. If uh, if uh, the national team is is your thing or either uh, the same thing as as Benfica, uh, don't forget to check out our uh, the Selecion podcast. They do a great job during the international breaks. So. Uh, credit to uh, yeah, Mr. DDP, right? Mr. DDP, something like that. DPD, DDP. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> You're down with down D. with all DP. <laughs> anyway, yeah, check out check out those guys. Anyway, that's all we've had, Dave. These are those senhores, yeah, senhores. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao, bella. <laughs> Take care, everyone. We'll uh, we'll see you in uh, a couple of weeks. All right. Stay well. Dress warm. And if you wear, if you uh, ride a bike at night, wear white later. <laughs>